Part One, Chapter Seventeen of Quo Vadis, A Tale of the Time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part One, Chapter Seventeen. Chilo did, in fact, have the intention to put Glaucus out of the way, for Glaucus, though old, was by no means decrepit. There was some slight truth in the story he told to Vinitius. He had once known Glaucus, he had betrayed him and sold him to robbers, he had caused the loss of his family and fortune, and had delivered him up to murder. He could easily recall all the facts. He had left him dying, not in a tavern, but on a field near Minturni. He had not thought at the time that Glaucus would ever recover and come to Rome. On seeing him in the church he had been terribly frightened. His first thought had been to renounce his search for Lygia. But on the other hand, he feared Vinitius even more. When it came to a choice between his dread of prosecution by Glaucus and of the vengeance of the mighty patrician, who would summon to his aid the still mightier Petronius, he did not long hesitate. He deemed it better to have small enemies than great ones. His cowardly nature revolted from bloodshed, but when he found that bloodshed was necessary he would shift the deed into the hands of hirelings. The important question now was that of choosing the right men for his purpose. He would give them the task of which he had spoken to Vinitius. Passing his nights in taverns among vagrants, men without home or honor or faith, he could readily find men willing for any crime but it was still easier to find among them men who would receive his money, would promise to do the work, and then extort still further money from him on a threat of betraying him into the hands of justice. Moreover, he had long felt a repugnance for these wretched vagrants who lurked in the disreputable houses of the Sabura and the Trans-Tiber. Judging all people by himself, he believed that among Christians, who seemed to him a trifle more trustworthy, he might find willing tools whom he might mislead into the idea that the work was not done merely for money, but with the aim of accomplishing some good. Therefore he spent his evenings with Eurysius, whom he knew to be devoted to him body and soul, and would do anything at his bidding. With his native caution, he decided not to reveal the whole truth to him, which might prove repugnant to one so pious and full of devotion to God. He needed men who were ready for anything, but in whom he could confide only so far that they would keep his secret forever. Eurytius, after the redemption of his son, had rented a small shop, one among many, which surrounded the Circus Maximus. Here he sold olives, beans, fruit-cakes, and water sweetened with honey, to the people who flocked to the circus. Chilo found the old man at home, busily arranging his little shop. Greeting him in the name of Christ, he unfolded the reason of his visit, confident that he could depend upon his gratitude for the service he had already extended. He explained that he needed two or three strong, courageous, and fearless men to ward off the dangers that threatened not only himself but all Christians. Poor as he was, since he had given up his all for Eurytius, he still would be able to pay men of this sort for their services, but only on condition that they would trust him and do blindly whatever he commanded. Eurytius and his son, Quartus, listened to him as to their benefactor. They almost dropped upon their knees when they assured him that they were ready to fulfill all his wishes, being convinced that so holy a man would not require from them anything inconsistent with the teachings of Christ. Chilo assured them that they were right. He lifted up his eyes as if in prayer. In truth he was inwardly meditating whether he would not accept their offer and keep the thousand sesterces for himself. But after a moment's thought he decided to refuse. Eurysius was an old man, burdened not only by his age, but by sickness and sorrow. 
Cortus was but a boy of sixteen. What Chilo needed was strong and sagacious men. As to the thousand sestertia, he hoped that his elaborate scheme would enable him in any event to save the larger portion of it. The men insisted for some time that he should inform them of his wishes, but when he had firmly made up his mind to abide by his last decision, they yielded. Master, said Quartus, I know a baker called Demas, who employs slaves and hired men. There is one among the hired men who is more vigorous than two or even four ordinary mortals. I myself have seen him lift stones which no four men could have lifted. If he be a good and pious man willing to sacrifice himself for his brethren, you may introduce him to me he is a christian said quartus for demas employs few except christians he has both night and day laborers this man is one of the night laborers if we go there now we shall find them at supper and thou wilt have a chance to talk freely with him demas lives near the emporium chilo joyfully consented the emporium lay at the foot of the aventine hill but a short distance from the circus maximus it could be reached without climbing the hill by passing along the river through the aemilian gate and this would shorten the journey i am old said chilo when they had arrived under the colonnade and sometimes my memory betrays me yea our lord was betrayed by one of his disciples but i recall not his name at this moment twas judas master he who hanged himself answered quartus wondering within himself how such a name could escape any memory yea judas i thank thee answered chilo they pursued their way for a time in silence when they reached the emporium which they found closed they were obliged to go around the storehouses whence grain was distributed among the people and then turned to the left by the houses which stretched along the via ostiensis up to the mons testasius and the forum pistorium here they stopped before a wooden building from the interior of which issued the noise of revolving millstones quartus entered but chilo remained outside he did not like to show himself in a crowd fearing that fate might bring about a meeting with glaucus the physician i am curious to see this hercules who works in a mill he said to himself looking up at the radiant moon if he is a clever rascal he may cost me something but if he is an innocent christian and a fool he will do as i wish for nothing he was interrupted by the return of quartus who came out with another man clad only in a shirt cut in such a fashion that his right arm and right breast were exposed so as to allow him free movement such shirts were generally worn by laborers at sight of this man chilo looked his admiration and satisfaction never had he seen such an arm and such a breast master said quartus here is the brother whom thou didst wish to see the peace of christ be with him was chilo's greeting tell this brother o quartus that i am trustworthy and then return in the name of god for i see no need that thou shouldst leave unprotected the home of thy wise old father this is a holy man said quartus who surrendered his all to redeem me from slavery me who was unknown to him may our lord and saviour prepare a heavenly reward for him at these words the gigantic laborer bent and kissed the hands of chilo what is thy name asked the greek father in holy baptism the name of urban was given to me urban my brother hast thou time to speak with me freely our work begins at midnight and at present they are preparing supper for us ah then we have time enough let us go over to the pond and thou wilt hear what i have to say to thee they wended their way thither and sat down on a stone near the embankment the silence was broken only by the far-off sound of the millstone and the rippling of the waters 
chilo glanced inquiringly at the face of the laborer that face was stern and melancholy as was usual among the barbarians who lived in rome yet it was full of goodness and honesty tis well thought chilo here is a kindly fool who will kill glaucus for nothing urban he asked do you love christ i love him with all my soul and all my heart answered the laborer and thy brethren thy sisters and all those who taught thee the truth and faith in christ i love them also father then peace be with thee and with thee father there was silence anew interrupted as before by the sound of the millstones and the rippling of the water chilo eyes fixed on the moon began in low and impressive tones to speak about the death of christ he seemed not to be addressing urban directly but to be recalling facts that were known to both for the benefit of the sleeping city his words seemed so inspired and so holy that they moved the laborer to tears when chilo sighed and expressed his sorrow that there had been no one near the dying christ to defend him not only from crucifixion but from the humiliations inflicted by the jews and the soldiers the gigantic fists of the barbarian were clenched in pity and anger the death of christ was bad enough but the thought that the blood of the lamb was shed amidst scoffs and jeers revolted his simple soul and aroused in it a wild desire for vengeance then suddenly chilo asked urban dost thou know who judas was i know i know he hanged himself cried the laborer in his voice was immense sorrow that the traitor had punished himself and was consequently out of his reach but suppose said chilo that he did not hang himself and that some christian were to meet him would it not be a christian duty to avenge the sufferings the death and the blood of the saviour o father who would not mete out this revenge peace be with thee o faithful servant of the lamb yea we may forgive our own wrongs but who is authorized to forgive the wrongs done to god but as serpents breed serpents as crimes breed crimes as traitors breed traitors so from the venom of judas was born another traitor as the first judas betrayed our saviour to the jews and the soldiers of rome so this traitor who lives among us at present wishes to betray the lambs of god to the wolf and if no one prevents this if no one crushes the head of this serpent awful destruction awaits us all and with us the destruction of the holy lamb the laborer glanced at him in wild excitement he could scarce believe what he heard the greek covered his face with a corner of his mantle and began to repeat in a deep voice which seemed as if it came from the depths of the earth woe unto you servants of the true god woe unto you christians men and women and again silence followed again there was no sound save the revolving millstones the singing of the millers and the rippling of the waters below father asked the laborer abruptly who is this traitor chilo bowed his head still lower who is this traitor a son of judas the spawn of his venom who pretends to be a christian and visits the houses of prayer only for the purpose of betraying his brethren to caesar charging that they do not honor caesar as a god that they poison wells that they murder children and that they wish to hurl the city into such destruction that not one stone shall remain upon another look you in a few days an order will be issued to the praetorians to imprison men women and children and lead them to death as they led to death the slaves of pedanius secundus 
this is the work of our second judas but if the first one was never punished if nobody took vengeance on him if nobody averted hours of suffering from christ who will now take vengeance who will now destroy him before caesar can hear his terrible charges who now will put him out of the way and so prevent the ruin of the brethren and of the faith of christ urban who till now had remained seated on the stone arose immediately and said i will do this father chilo also rose he looked straight in the face of the laborer as he stood in the rays of the moonlight then placing his hands upon his head he solemnly said go among the christians go to the places of prayer ask the brethren to point out glaucus the physician and if they show him to thee kill him didst thou say glaucus repeated the laborer with an effort of memory to retain the name dost thou know him i know him not there are thousands of christians in rome and they do not all know one another but to-morrow night at ostranium there will be a general gathering of all the brothers and sisters without a single exception for a great apostle of christ will preach there and i will ask the brethren to point out to me glaucus in ostranium asked chilo why that is outside of the gates of the city all our brothers and sisters at night outside the gate at ostranium yea father our cemetery lies there between the salaria and nomentana roads dost thou not know that the great apostle is expected there i have been away for two days hence i did not receive his letter and i know not ostranium for i only recently arrived from corinth where i was the head of a christian community but so be it christ will be with thee thou wilt go to-morrow night my son to ostranium and there thou wilt find glaucus among the brethren thou wilt slay him on his way back to the city all thy sins will be forgiven thee in return and now peace be with thee father i hear thee o servant of the lamb the laborer's face expressed perplexity he might have killed a man or two in the course of his life but the religion of christ forbade murder he had not killed them in self-defence for even this was forbidden nor christ forbid had he killed for the sake of a reward the bishop himself had given him brethren to help in a certain adventure but had commanded him to take no life the killing had been through inadvertence for the lord had punished him with extraordinary strength and now he was doing penance for this others might sing while grinding wheat he could only think on his sins and his offences against the lamb how he had prayed how he had wept how often had he besought the lamb for forgiveness in spite of everything he felt that his repentance was not yet sufficient and now he had promised to kill a traitor so be it one may readily forgive trespasses against oneself but against oneself only so he would kill glaucus even in the presence of all the brothers and sisters gathered at ostranium but glaucus should be tried first before the elders selected from among the brethren by the bishop or the apostle to kill was no great matter and to kill a traitor was a pleasant duty like killing a wolf or a bear but suppose glaucus was innocent how can i burden myself with a new murder a new sin a new offence against the lamb there is no time for a trial my son answered chilo for the traitor will hurry from ostranium directly to caesar in antium or hide himself in the house of a certain patrician in whose employ he now is i will give thee a sign which if thou showest after killing glaucus to the bishop or the apostle they will bless thee and thy deed with these words he took from his pocket a coin drawing a knife from his belt he cut the sign of the cross upon the coin and gave it to the laborer 
here is a sentence upon glaucus and a sign for thee when thou showest this to the bishop he will give thee absolution not only for the killing of glaucus but also for the involuntary homicides that preceded it the laborer hesitatingly stretched out his hand for the coin he recalled his first homicide and could not repress a shiver father he exclaimed in a voice of entreaty dost thou take this upon thine own conscience and art thou sure that glaucus hath plotted to slay our brethren chilo saw that he must give some proofs and mention some names otherwise doubt would arise in the mind of the laborer a happy thought struck him hearken urban he said i dwell in corinth but i come from cos here in rome i am instructing in the religion of christ a servant girl my countrywoman eunice by name she serves as a handmaiden in the house of a certain petronius a friend of caesar in this house i learned how glaucus had promised to betray all the christians and also to betray unto a certain vinicius another imperial adviser a certain maiden he stopped abruptly for he had caught a strange look in the eyes of the laborer they blazed like the eyes of a wild beast while the whole face took on a look of wrath and menace what is the matter he asked in some alarm nothing father i will kill glaucus to-morrow the greek was silent he took the laborer's arm and turned him so that the moonlight fell full upon his face which he scrutinized carefully evidently he was hesitating whether to inquire further or to be content with the impression he had already made his habitual caution gained the upper hand twice he sighed deeply and again placing his hands upon the head of the laborer he asked him in solemn tones the name of urban was given thee in holy baptism yea father it was then peace be with thee urban End of part one, chapter seventeen.